Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today we have with us Jasper Cartwright. If you'd like to introduce hey. yourself to the audience. Hi, uh, my name is Jasper William Cartwright. I am a uh, actor, a podcaster, producer, general doer of stuff, and I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on Friday. I feel uh, I feel honored, and I'm super excited to chat. Yeah. Um... I'm sorry, do you like to be introduced by your full name? I fu- no, I it's, fucked I, it up. that's totally fine. It's just like, it's just a, like, it's just like a really weird, pretentious actor thing that I do, where like, it's be- kind of become my brand to be like Jasper William Cartwright. It's kind of like, it's got this like dynamic feel to it. So I just yeah. like to be o- overly pretentious. And I think it's honestly become subconscious for me, where like, <laughs> I don't realize that I'm saying my full ass name. Like, I accidentally just dropped my whole ass name, and I'm like, ah, and then, and now you've said it, I'm like, oh, what, like, what, why am I, why did I do that? There was no need for that, but, you know, it's my brand now, and I'm just gonna deal with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like there should be, like, a lord or an esquire in there. I I have thought about it because you can purchase a peerage in the UK, so I could sort of. I I don't think I could get. Wait. I think I could get like an esquire or something. You can't purchase are, a lord, but you can are purchase you, like. Are you telling me that it's all nepotism? I'm not not telling you, and for all those <laughs> listening at home, I'm not <laughs> winking. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> because the king oh, wow. is listening right now, and I can't. Uh, there's certain things I, I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> Jill feels weird saying king, by the way. <laughs> do you have the do you have the uh you have the royal guard about to kick in your door if you like whisper anything negative about the king? Yeah, and they got those big hats, so it's gonna be a struggle for them to get in the door, so you know. <laughs> yeah, you've gotta be pretty fit, I guess, to be one of those guys, right? Yeah. It's like a horrendous I did we did a uh, at drama school, we did this exercise once where we basically had to like stand still for two hours. Uh, and it was part of like teaching us rigor and all of this stuff. Honestly, after about half an hour, I thought my knees were going to explode. Like it was one of the most excruciatingly painful experiences of my life. And it was just standing still. But you start going like lightheaded, you lose your balance, your knees are like in su- like on like fire. I couldn't believe how painful it was. And then just the idea that there's these dudes in like full military garb with these heavy hats and guns and whatever, just doing it for like hours on hours every day. I'm like, yo, oh, that is that takes some stamina yeah you yeah you definitely just trigger like all of my military member memories of like being a boot camp (laughs) (laughs) i apologize (laughs) no that's okay that's okay uh it wasn't a deep depressing trip we are gonna take that turn yeah uh what's the most negative thing someone has ever said to you on socials Uh, I think it's what uh, you just you said to me about uh, five minutes ago when uh, you asked if I was able to rise to the level of Jeremy. And as I sort of unpacked what you said, I realized that I am, in fact, the inferior version of Jeremy Cobb. And I'm just riding on his coattails and all the success I have is sort of like because of him. And, you know, even on this podcast, I am secondary. You know what I mean? I am now on after Jeremy Cobb. And I think that's just I have to just accept that's how my life is going to be from now on yeah <laughs> so that you. was you, you're that's that you're the most hateful thing that anyone's ever said to me <laughs> not just on social media just ever <laughs> are you in therapy uh no but i should be clearly um <laughs> no I, I very i very very much am therapy is good for you get therapy that's my advice for today get therapy you feel like you're together all it takes yeah. is one comment about your co-host on a different podcast and you fall to pieces damn yeah uh well i think you're great in the first five minutes that we've been talking but uh yeah so i just had this you're happen right actually too. this 
Thank you. I've just had this happen actually just like an hour ago. I posted like about wages or whatever and how I like may, you know, I'm one of the highest paid GMs in the world. I really like to talk about pay uh, and shit like that because I, you know, it's obviously a business podcast, business newsletter. Like, how do you make more money? How do you make uh, a living wage? And part of that is like dispelling the things that corporations have put in front of us in order to take advantage of us, like these barriers about talking about what we make and like Mm -hmm. making it like taboo and stuff like that, which is illegal in the United States. I don't know about the UK, but you can talk about wages and you should. And someone like compared me to Andrew Tate, like a fucking, (laughs) like a a fucking sex trafficker rapist. Like it's it's a wild, it's a wild comparison to make uh, at the best of times. But like the idea that someone's trying to be, uh, transparent about their pay and to make sure that like it positively benefits other people. Oh, we you need to you need to look inward when you're making these. If you if that's like the first thing that pops into your head, you need to start looking inward before you're looking outward. Like that that's not the that's not the move. Ever Andrew Tate is like one of the worst human beings to ever exist. <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh, wild! Absolutely I've seen, wild. I've seen people. Keep- for brands but who capes for capitalism you know what i mean like who capes for corporations and concealing wages like i well i tell you who the people in charge (laughs) the 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 billionaires like that they they cape pretty hard for for capitalism they spent quite a lot of money on it in fact fair enough on their caping duties but yeah Uh, i would say that you are um uh the antithesis if you will uh, the complete opposite, the uh, the upside down version of Andrew Tate, like whatever Andrew Tate is, you're not that in any way, shape or form. And I'm very glad because I, you know, honestly wouldn't be here if you were <laughs> like this. This wouldn't have been a request for my time that I would have accepted. I would have been like, no, 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 uh, please, please get inside a, a large dumpster and make that your home. That's what I would have. Re- <laughs> that's what I would have said in reply. Wow, that's oh, that was such an intense start to my morning. I was just like, you know, surprise! Someone chose violence for you this morning. Like, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I would have honestly been there, like sharpening my greatsword, be like, okay, let's go one more time. Did you just say what now? Like, I'm gonna go to the gym and like, like I'm gonna work out my feelings. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely need to go to the gym. After I, you know, get done with this, I'm definitely going to go lift some weights because that was, whew. Yeah, yeah. wild. wild. It was intense. Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things that, like, I was exposed to a little bit, like, from some of the people that I was working with who had, like, a bigger social presence in me. And I'm sort of cusping that part where I'm getting, like, immense, like, engagement for whenever I... It, it's funny because I look at, like, my top tweets. My top tweets mm-hmm. are, like, how much money I make. Um, Linda Kodega making fun of this kid called the Tate Defender, which is irony uh, yep. for this situation. <laughs> <laughs> like some kid getting in my mentions and telling me that I can't change my gender and his fucking picture is Andrew Tate. Um, wow. And then like me talking about how uh, the Pathfinder beginner box module is like the best money I've spent all year because it was. And then I had like a thread, you know, about why. And then me talking about like, you know, our artist rates for like the vineyard and stuff and what we pay, yep. which is one of the things that I personally like to talk about because, uh, first of all, it holds me accountable. So it's an accountability tool for me yes, in a lot absolutely. of ways when 
when I, as a leader, I tell people and I'm just very transparent about what I plan to do. And then when I don't meet that mark or I don't uh, reach a goal or something like I can just be open about it and just be like, yeah, I, I meant to make this mark. I will do my best to either make it up to you or I will do my best to like, I'm sorry, I'm paying you late, but I will pay you. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I think that you've absolutely like you've you've nailed something that's really important there, which is just like there really is so many things that have been established in our society around pay, around work, um, like, and I think it is intensified tenfold when we talk about creative work or any kind of creative work, whereby it somehow become it somehow become like uncool or something. There, there is a tiny little torch appearing around the corner, yeah. and I love it. <laughs> For the Americans, it's a flashlight. Uh, there's no my my child is not wielding a torch. <laughs> oh right, yes, apologies. Right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, it's not on fire. No, 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 no. It's, it looks a uh, battery operated uh, light source. <laughs> wait, 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 one second, I need to. Uh, of course, two year old no in here. One second. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, he's with his his uh his mother now. Um, <laughs> zero zero apologies. I freaking love uh, cute little bubbies. So that was fine. That was a lovely little welcome distraction. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, from the from the hellscape of capitalist uh, uh, society, yes, you know, exactly, children. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, but yeah, I think that the point I was just making is that I just think there was a lot of taboos about talking about certain things. And I think you're absolutely right. It's about, uh, it is about accountability. And it's also about like value and seeing value because, you know, I'm currently starting out on a venture, uh, which I can't talk too much about, um, which is going to involve me, um, you know, employing people you know paying people getting people in for you know bigger sort of larger bodies of work and like that is it like it's going to be a, a learning process for me because i haven't done it on that scale before but i think also what i've realized is that there's so many things that i've learned about business which are just factually and like un untrue you know being so close-minded when it comes to the the way you get paid and even when it comes to paying myself because i felt this kind of like innate guilt of like oh i you know i shouldn't be making any money out of this i should make sure that everyone else is being paid or, or, or whatever and prioritize other people's needs which i completely understand from the perspective of like when you are in a position of like privilege and you're doing well then absolutely you know prioritizing other people is is a great thing to do but like when you're in a position where it's like i either prioritize myself or i stop doing and making this work and therefore i can't benefit anyone else then of course you have to benefit like of course you have to make sure that you take care of yourself and that you're able to earn you know uh what is representative of your time and the effort and uh that you're putting into a project and i think i'm, I'm very very glad to have people like you in the space who are willing to talk about it um there is still a small part of my britishness which just kind of hates talking about anything like that when it comes to me like i just find like i love seeing it and i'm like yes and i'm cheer like all cheerleading people doing it but like it's always just a part of me that freaks out whenever i go to post something like that um like whenever i like go and like ask for any anything i'm like hey it'd be great if more people signed up to our patreon because you know it costs money to make the things that we make like i you know i hate doing that but actually you know the more people we have like you in the space who are just like hey i'm just gonna be honest they, like we need to talk about this stuff the we the more we normalize it and the more i think we can all as a like as an industry as a uh as a collection of people and especially as a collection of creatives we can actually move forward and get some stuff done uh which is only a positive thing so i'm glad that you did a massive andrew tate impersonation <laughs> today <laughs>
Yeah, I really <laughs> took one for the team there because you really, really I'm, did. <laughs> I'm not the hero that you want. I'm the hero you deserve. You know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Let's shift gears here to talk about uh, your formal education, and then what was that like for you, um, and how it has it informed your current work. Yeah, so I guess like um, the the biggest thing to talk about is probably drama school. Um, I went to drama school. Oh, well, like 10 years ago now, which is an absolutely horrific feeling um, uh, because it feels like, oh, that was yesterday, right? No, definitely not. Um, and I think one of the ways that it's influenced me so much and I think where you can see it the most in terms of what I'm doing now is that I did this course at drama school called the Collaborative and Devised Theatre Course. So uh, the essence of the course was uh, to be a modern actor, you have to do more than just act. You have to be able, you have to understand all the machinations which go into making art, whether that is um, lighting, sound, um, you know, set and stage design, uh, producing, directing, all of these things. And it wasn't necessarily like to make people into those things. It was to basically like you as an actor will be able to appreciate those things so that when the lighting designer is telling you to hit your mark, you can understand why they need you to do that. And they, you can understand you have appreciation of what is going on in their world same for a director same for a producer but i think the knock-on effect it had with met for many of us was that it gave us the confidence to pursue uh alternate avenues of work which meant that when we weren't always acting because you know spoiler alert uh, when you become an actor, it doesn't mean you're just going to work all the time, uh, you know. So it was a uh, it was really a chance for all of us to kind of get hands on with these things and maybe see if anything else did tickle our fancy and kind of go, oh, actually, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. And I think all it did for me is I just went, I want to do everything. <laughs> um, and so I really discovered a, a passion for directing, and I think ultimately what that passion for directing was was being the epicenter being the kind of glue that like holds more talented people like jeremy cobb like you really uh well pointed out earlier that he's more talented than i am uh like have like hold people like him and be able to put him in a position to do his best work you know what i mean um that that's the joy for me and you know to a certain extent with three black halflings i feel like i've i've been able to do that and you know and obviously i'm not saying that i'm not taking credit for any of jeremy's uh work but like it's through us working together that jeremy is now you know doing some of the amazing things that he's doing and that is a really big sense of pride for me and i just i love that feeling i love that sensation of being the kind of the glue of and bringing these talented people uh together and then putting them in a position to do their best work like that's the thing that uh i really learned at drama school i really enjoyed at drama school and i think that the reason why when you, you know i always struggle because people are like oh you shouldn't put too many you know you shouldn't say you do too many things because otherwise people will think you're just sort of a jack of all trade and whatever and i'm like yeah i mean i kind of am i'm master of none of those things but i really enjoy it and i really enjoy being I really enjoy being like a kind of a fixer and 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 uh, and and I enjoy that role and and it served me well so far so I'm just going to kind of keep on doing that really. <laughs> yeah, I think I relate to you in a lot of ways uh because of my role in the vineyard in which I am mostly a facilitator. I mean, I'm still writing like 30 to 50% of the book um because 
that's how I can afford to release the book um, <laughs> because I want to pay people yep. for wages. Um, yep. yep. But uh, yeah, so I really enjoy working and collaborating with people and like, um, if there's something that I can do to help someone that I personally believe in and I love working with, mm-hmm. if I can help them be successful, a joy unto itself. Like it's, it's a very unique feeling. It's like, there's something about it. That's like, it's camaraderie and it's like, creative uh togetherness like you're yeah. i i don't know how else to explain I think it it's like i i kind of always describe it as like it's a bit like uh, cooking in the sense that it's like every ingredient you add enriches the dish and so it's like you know if you just cook like if if you imagine yourself as like the pasta if you work by yourself pasta is good we all like pasta but pasta with like sauce and pasta with like you know, a little protein, you know, of some description. Pasta with a bit of cheese on top. That's better. You know what I mean? That's a lot better. Like, and I think that it's like that same feeling because I think and the reason I say food is because it's nourishing. It's warm. It's like it has memories. It has, you know, uh, all of these things kind of attached to it, which is for me what like a creative process is. It's like this nourishing, warm process that then leaves you feeling, you know, hopefully like satisfied uh, or at least, you know, um, uh, you know engages you in some way you know makes you kind of think or you know uh makes you laugh made you cry etc i found that when i left the military and i was deciding like what i wanted to do i was thinking to myself like i'm not going to compromise on what i do i just want to do what i want to do and then i'm going to figure out a way to make it work and part of this process like becoming a content creator like a podcast and i'm like creating this book and i'm writing and doing game design part of that also was sort of balancing everything that I could in a reasonable way. And I wouldn't be able to be as involved with everything if I was doing everything by myself as well. So I think that's also a key part of trying to figure out what's the reasonable thing for you to do, because there's only so much money in creating a platform like this. Right now, it's none. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I... I receive enough money to pay my editor and then I and then I only have to pay out of pocket, you know, 20 bucks mm-hmm. a month or something additional. And, you know, that's about it. And for obviously my day job is like how I pay most of my bills and how I fund the vineyard, not doing this podcast. But I love this podcast. I love mm-hmm. doing it. I love talking with people. I love game design. I wake up every morning now after so many years of like, I hate to say like being told what to do, but like, which I sort of got over. But at the same time, I came from a very restrictive lifestyle because I was in the military. And now to just be free and just choose what I want, I wake up every single day, like excited to do what I do. And there's nothing that could make that like make me turn away from that. Even if I was barely making enough to get by, that would be enough. Yeah, 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 because yeah. there's a certain richness which comes with that. I wanted to ask you actually just to like flip it back a little bit. Like, do you think your military uh, background has had an effect on like the way that you see these kind of creative tasks? Like, I think just like you saying then about, you know, having to, uh, you know, having to rely on other people and, you know, I, that kind of feels like it would be if, like, I don't know. Has, do you think that's been influenced in the same way that maybe I was talking about uh, the theater course that I did? You know, do you think that the military, your military background has meant that like there is a certain you know you understand that there's a certain reliance on the people that you need to have but you need to put your trust in them and like you know figure out what they're about etc and then you know rely on them does that does that make sense like i'm just interested if that's had an impact on you in that way i think so um 
I mean, besides being institutionalized uh, in the military, uh, mm. not like at a psych ward or anything, but like that's how I think a lot of people look at um, sort of how the military changes you because of how dramatic it is for your psych and like your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was a very different case than a lot of people because um, obviously I'm trans and I was in the closet the entire time, which I didn't realize, but that's its own you know conversation. But like for me, like finding a group identity is very important. And when I was leaving the military, I remember like having my gender crisis breakdown, not knowing what it was, and me just like crying for hours at a time, like in my bed, in the barracks, like waiting to leave the military and knowing if I was ever going to find a sense of community that I could really love and trust and help succeed and feel all of those feelings with again. Mm. And I like to believe that I have attempted my best and I currently am like living in a way where I am creating that in some small measure for other people when they work with me or I try to do that. So I'm not the best team leader. Um, I don't think I ever will be. I've got things that I could do better. I find that going back to relying on other people, I think that when you give people the opportunity to surprise you and impress you, I think they will. As long as you are working with the expectations of where you and the other people are at for their level of professionalism and their skill, Mm -hmm. if you give people the room to really perform and enable them to be able to perform and you create a space where they can do their best work, then you're going to see their best work. And part of that process is being supportive and helping create that in a way that's meaningful and not just superfluous or like, you know, just surface level, like you can do it. Like that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters is, are you actually providing them what they need? I mean, just as a creator and a director on this project, I've gotten on like a call with people to just co-work with them because it helps them write. And I sat there for hours doing my own thing. And then they would ask me a question once in a while that helped them write more. Mm -hmm. And being available to do those things, you obviously, you only have so much gas in the tank. If you're in like a leadership role like that, like a creative director, or you're the producer, that's really like, in my opinion, your responsibility, because if not you, who's going to do it? Who's going to enable these people when you're the producer? Like you have to be able to get the best work out of people because the... It's the biggest skill, I think, for a producer. I think it's the biggest skill that you can have. Um, I think it's great to be... uh, Obviously, it's amazing to be organized and whatever, but I've met so many people who are incredible, you know, so organized and whatever, but wouldn't necessarily make great producing, great producers, because I just don't think that they possessed the ability to kind of, like, recognize those things. Like you said, you know, being like, "Mm, okay, like, you know, ask the right question. Like, would it benefit you if we hopped on a call and, like... I was just there like it doesn't you know mean you'll change your desk it's just like hey like if if you need to ask me a call I can be there for you I can be like you know and I think it takes a certain level of empathy and skill to kind of recognize when someone needs that or when someone uh wants a kind of different kind of support than maybe you you've given them to that point and then and then enact it in a way that uh, actually, you know, benefits that person. And like, and it's 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 not easy, and it's definitely a learning curve. Um, and I think to your point about being like the best leader as well. Like, I don't think that you, you know, it's like what well, it's much the same approach that I have to acting. It's just like I don't think you ever finish 
learning that thing, you know, because people are always changing, people are evolving, people always will have different wants and needs that they, uh, in, in order to do their best work, and so therefore you're always going to have to adapt and change your style. You know, what got, I think we, we it's very, very clear now that what got the best out of people 50 years ago is extremely different to what gets the best out of people today. You know, the, the motivations are different, the, the working environments are different, so, you know, we, we, we have to be able to adapt um and uh, and, and be a, and like and enable people to do their best work i think it's uh, like you said it's it's one of definitely one of the most enriching and positive aspects of of being in that kind of role for sure one of the things i really gravitated to in the military was being like an instructor and like being a coach and when i ended up uh so i was a martial arts instructor and i was a water survival instructor for like the rescue swimming type stuff and then um i also did like uh I was like a machine gun squad leader and like a platoon sergeant. And um, I was also a recruiter. And so I I'm I was used to like kind of building people up and figuring out how do I get the best work out of this person and like care about them just holistically as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has really translated. Um, yeah. At least I, I hope so. Um, I think I'm stretched a little thin a lot of the time and I hope to take more, more time after this Kickstarter in April. But yeah, I think, think a lot of those soft skills are getting ignored with our mm. digital format that we have for these yeah. events and stuff. And I think those yeah. are very important to getting the best work out of people for creative fields. Yeah, absolutely. I was literally thinking about this the other day about how I think it's been such a positive thing, this kind of move to working from home and all of that kind of thing. I think it's like really, really positive. And it's it, it, in terms of accessibility, I think it has really positive and kind of wide reaching ramifications. But I also think that, you know, just the being in a room with people and having, being able to see those cues, being able to like really be, you know, be able to care for people in that way. And, um, I think that is something that like we need to find the balance of um, because I do think that that's something that you're you're right is kind of does suffer a little bit when you're we you know when you're always just in that digital format talking on you know slacks or or whatever it is you know um, it's hard to know when someone needs uh, a little you know something a little bit different or you know the team needs a boost in morale or the you know you, you even yourself you know um, I find that when I'm in the office or whatever it's it's much easier because I'm like I'm in somewhere and I'm kind of in work I find it easier to like take a break for instance like go for a lunch whereas when I'm at home I'll just be like oh just keep going I need to get through this work I need to get through this work I you know and you suddenly feel guilty and things like that so yeah I definitely agree there's some uh there's definitely some balance to be to be found I think with the way things have shifted yeah uh I I think a lot of people get kind of fixated especially when they're trying to come up in any particular space as a creator they're worried about the next gig instead of the gig they're at yeah oh yeah I mean I'm still guilty of that now but yeah absolutely uh that's a big one for sure um that, that feeling of yeah. FOMO yeah yeah and I think it's also just that feeling of like uh panicking that like if you uh d- can't be available for the next thing that there won't be a like th- there won't be a next thing you know what i mean um and that, it's very 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 easy to do that very very easy to do that and miss the opportunity like maybe the big opportunity that you're currently being given right now um that's i think just it, that's just about checking in with yourself and being like you know am i giving my best work to this um and like is this going to be is this fulfilling enough and do i see this presenting a big enough opportunity for me to you know divert more of my attention and and um uh i guess like bandwidth to this 
the return on investment for most gigs is just not there. So for the most part, working gigs or and by gigs, I mean like shows. We'll we'll talk yeah. shows in this context. If you're working a show, most of the time, you're only creating opportunities by being good to work with mm-hmm. and making uh, having a good performance, right? So those are like the two major things, I would say. Yeah. Um, you can, you're the professional actor here, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's literally it. That's literally it. And I would say that being good to work with is, is probably more important, um, honestly, because like I think ne- like especially nowadays, there's so many, there's so many performers, there's so many actors, there's so many people out there that want to do you know, what I'm lucky enough to do. I genuinely think I've made my career out of just being like turning up on time, being a, po- a positive force in the room. Um, you know, being like I'll never like you know I'm not I'm not going to be like someone who's like going uh he's like breaking any like i'm not like gonna stay extra hours and do all that kind of stuff because i'm very much like are you like this is the time i've been booked for but whilst you have me and i'm here i'm gonna give you my absolute best i'm gonna do the decency of being honest if i'm feeling not at my best you know all of that kind of stuff i think feeds into a lot of the reasons why i've been asked back to do you know work afterwards and um i think that has had a bigger impact in terms of like the knock-on gigs you know those those ones that i've booked because they've i've already worked with them rather than you know any kind of big job i get just like through my agent or 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 whatever else it is and and actually i think people like i think that it's very easy to kind of look at you know like big films and be like oh that director always works with the same actor and it's all a horrible nepotism and i completely understand where people are coming from because i think that we're obviously seeing a lack of opportunities then falling down uh, i think that's a very niche case in terms of like these massive budget movies but it's also it is about trust and it is about uh you know jordan peele trusts daniel kaluuya you know what i mean jordan peele goes you look right you act right and you are like my guy i know that if i need something if the chips are down and i've got a studio breathing down my neck because this this day of filming half a million you know what i mean that you're gonna be doing the work and like that's the reason why jordan peele keeps going back to daniel kaluuya if daniel kaluuya gave the same performance in get out was but was a complete asshole Daniel Kaluuya is not back for like the rest of them. Do you know what I mean? And I think that people kind of, we forget that, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, it's because they give such virtuoso performances. It's like, nah, it's not necessarily, you know, that definitely helps. You know what I mean? Don't get wrong. Yeah. If you're an Oscar winning actor or whatever, that'll definitely help you. But like, I've, um, I have definitely found like it's shifting even more. So like the, you know, the further I'm getting in my career. And I think the more that things are getting, you know, more expensive to make and produce and everything that that trust element is a huge part of it and you know we even have it on three black halflings you know we'll even have it where we're like we've been so fortunate with all the people that we've hired for actual play in that they've turned up and they've been incredible i can guarantee you if someone turns up and gives an incredible performance on one of our uh, our things but is like constantly late or missing stuff or you know kind of messing us around with availability or whatever else it is when we're paying them and they've agreed to this and everything like that best no they ain't coming back like yeah and that's not because i maybe don't love them as a person it's not because i don't love their their performance it's just because like i 
like we have needs as a show in the same way that any employer has needs and this is not me defending like big corporations by any stretch of the imaginations this is me defending uh, content creators people are out there that just are trying to make the best work and art that they can trust is a huge huge part of it and being hella professional is is a, a big part of that a massive part of that yeah you produce three black halflings right yes yeah i do Sorry, I asked that question right as you were taking a drink of water. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> it's my own fault. I mean, I'm on a podcast. Why am I, how, why am I trying to hydrate right now? <laughs> yeah, how dare you? You need to have a dry throat on this to give people the authentic experience of you exactly. giving it your all. They need the dry, dry, scratchy throat. That's what they need. That's what they need to be hearing. <laughs> so my segue into that question before we got caught on the joke. Um, so for you being a producer on Three Black Halflings, you've seen like a lot of stuff as far as like people coming in and stuff. And then can you talk about a little bit of what the hourly is like for just one episode of Three Black Halflings and how that's brought broken up and then including the communication and everything yeah yeah yeah, sure 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 um so in terms of like the fee and stuff like that like in and this is like what we expect of people and is that what you, is that what you is that what you mean just so i can clarify for the yeah yeah um so i think that we did a um we did like an hourly of like 25 bucks i want to say in the last one because the conversion gets a little bit weird but what we would generally what we'll tend to do is um we'll do like an episode uh, we'll do like an episode rate but like the episode is broken up into like it is a commitment of this many hours if we go over this many hours then that effectively goes into like an overtime pay um so i guess that would work out as like uh it's like i don't know 150 or something like that per episode and then it that and then it'll get broken up into like we'll pay more um if and that's just for a player's rate we like if a, if like a gm comes in or whatever it's uh i think it's like double basically um yeah and so it, it basically all just depends on uh like the episode what we expect it to kind of do and then we'll try and keep that the same across all of the series and this is all remote obviously if we do stuff in person with the rate changes um this is all based on us like what's affordable for us and then also what we think is like a commensurate like rate in terms of like you know we're using your time we're usually using people's equipment you know all of that kind of stuff is uh taken into consideration uh, when we're working these things out but the i think the biggest thing is that we usually try to keep do it to an episode just so because just generally for us it makes it easier for us to track how the um like literally just tr- for us to track like a breakdown of like how much this series will cost us if we're doing this many episodes we pay this this like you know uh, this much per episode all of that kind of stuff um <clears throat> oh apologies there we go had a frog in my throat there and so uh i think that's like roughly the breakdown we then um like we always pay for like if we like do a session zero so anything that's kind of outside of like recorded time that's still paid um and generally the only thing that we kind of ask for is like that we get like more than a week uh, not more than a week sorry like a just like if it's like anything to do with health or whatever then you can tell us like up to the day that's obviously fine but like if there's like any other reason why you couldn't make a, a scheduled date that we ask that like we get a bit of notice and stuff like that um but we are actually one of the things that we're instituting at the moment is like getting a performance contract because it's something that we haven't done before purely because we've been kind of small we haven't uh historically paid 
uh, as much and we haven't been kind of so expectant of people as performers, as actors. You know, a lot of the time in the past, it's been like friends of ours who are performers and actors who are helping us out. We're now kind of like really trying to get, you know, people in to do specific drop, like specific roles for us and and stuff like that. So um, that's part all of part of a learning curve but hopefully that roughly answers your question (laughs) yeah it did i do want to talk about i do (laughs) so now i have a frog in my throat hold on (laughs) yeah there we go as soon as as soon as one happens then you know it jumped over to you it's a it's an epidemic you know (laughs) (laughs) um for y'all uh you are one of the biggest patreons like in the world which feels perhaps weird for me to say but at the same time you only make enough money for perhaps part-time or a low-paying full-time job for one person based on your Patreon, which I think is wild to have those two things in the same fucking sentence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially when you look over and you see some of, like, the Patreons of, like, uh, you know, like, that have just been launched, for instance, and I love all the people involved and I'm so happy for them, but I was like, why? Why can't, can I just have, like, five, five percent of their patrons, please? Like, that would be so nice. That would be life-changing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, it, it feels an incongruous thing. And you're absolutely right. Um, it is, we are, we are, neither myself, Jeremy, or Liv are paid anywhere near commensurate with the amount of work that we put into the show. We get helped from, like, ad revenue, but, like, it still pales in comparison to our Patreon revenue. And our Patreon revenue isn't a lot. Uh, we put the majority of the money straight back into the show because we're under the belief that, like, it's going to help us grow uh there's no point in us just like taking you know uh, money home every week if we then can't afford to pay people and put together good stuff which is going to bring more people to our you know content and everything like that so um it feels like a catch-22 but i think what i think the big thing that has uh, that has been afforded to us as individuals and through like halflings is the ability to then guest on things and to be bought you know we get like other work that comes in because of the profile and everything that we've gotten on through like halflings and that feels really um that like that feels quite amazing do you know what i mean in the sense that we've gotten to a point where we can kind of be supplemented almost as uh, we you know i I kind of always consider that almost like a part of our (laughs) three black halflings pay is like yes you know maybe we we don't get as much here but you know i'm I'm going and guesting on you know two shows maybe three shows a month or whatever at, at the moment and that's helping me you know, keep the lights on and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, and, and and Patreon is a is a tricky is a really tricky beast. And one of the main reasons that we're looking at trying to bring a producer on board right now is just because you know we like we want to put as much we want to get as much value into our Patreon as possible. Um, because again, that's how we believe you know we'll keep people we'll retain people uh, that will keep people wanting to uh, like keeping uh, keep them wanting to support the show and also gives us the freedom to then do the things that we think are really important which is give back to the community which is be more kind of uh you know supportive looking out for opportunities uh both for the show and for the community things like that i think um which can fall behind fall by the wayside if you're like we have to put out extra content and do a live stream and this you know what i mean it kind of gets real uh it it can get real tricky for sure Yeah, I think there's that initial burst of energy when you get this positive feedback for your main show that you're like, well, now we have to produce 10 times as much content to capture people's attention because 
there are productions that are like at the end game, right? The podcast that we didn't name, but we all know what it is, um, is at the <laughs> end game, right? So that's yeah, like, yeah. they can do whatever the fuck they want. Like, yeah. oh, they're 100%. not... They're not in the trenches at this point. Up, they can just work. throw up a mic and just talk, and that's that's it for a month. Like they're done. They don't. That that's fine. Like <laughs> yeah. And most people, even if they lost fifty percent of their subs, most people wouldn't even notice. They would just because people forget about their Patreon subs. So it's like you know they can they just keep they could just keep it rolling for like years. But uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a different feeling like coming up and like breaking even. I know that for instance, like Twitch streamers, which is a terrible example and i think more people need to know you are more likely to win the lottery than make a living wage or minimum wage i should say uh on twitch and minimum wage i should clarify is not a living wage um in yes. america yeah no it's not it's not over here either so <laughs> so you're yeah you're more likely to win the fucking lottery than to make it to where you can potentially treat it like a job at mcdonald's and that's just fucking that's so wild it because there's so many people like you said that that definitely want to do it and will do it for yeah. free i think i think this is i think this kind of goes back to uh one of the things that i think has allowed me to find some uh, you know degrees of success you know um in the sense that like i've always been prepared to be more than what i am now you know what i mean i've always been prepared to like grow and find out what the next thing is and I think for a lot of people, uh, like I, like you know, for a lot of people, I think you kind of go, "Cool, I'm going to be a Twitch streamer," and that's and like you pile everything you have into that one thing, and then if it doesn't work or if it's not working out, then it's like you've got to do like a wholesale change because then you realize like you've left yourself too short to. St- you know do something else on the side whilst you're growing that you know and i think one of the things that i've really enjoyed is that like even though i've got three black halflings and i you know it's i love it and it's like everything to me i've never been satisfied that, like that was going to be it because i'm like look this, is, this could be a house of cards do you know what i mean like i don't know what would happen but hey look we might be going into some like a global recession it's very possible that like half of our subs cancel because they're just like hey look we've got to keep the lights on and whatever and that's completely fair there's nothing i can do about that even if we put out content every single day it's always been a process of me of being like what's next what's next without dropping the ball of the thing that i i'm i'm still doing and that's a really hard balance and i don't get that right all the time and i've definitely made mistakes and there's things that i wish i could do over but i think that what it's allowed me to do is keep the lights on and is keep myself active in this space and not get to a point where i just go well you know what's the what's the point because I remember, like, I've hit, like, we've we've hit, like, a point on our Patreon as well where, like, we saw, like, really consistent growth for, like, a good period of time. And now we're just kind of, like, r- like, staying super steady where we are and, like, not budging, which is absolutely fine. That, as a kind of business model when we're trying to scale up and grow and become, you know, uh, do more, etc., is a really tricky thing for us to kind of negotiate and so now it's about okay how do we keep that going and keep everyone there happy and maintain that and then potentially look at other avenues you know can we get monetization on youtube can we uh is there something we can do to increase uh listen so that we get more ad revenue from our podcast spots is there things that we can do you know in terms of sponsorship deals for upcoming actual play series like it's all of these things that you have to be constantly kind of like juggling and spinning the plate on to keep the whole thing you know coherent and together because i think that yeah there's definitely this like perception i think that you guys uh you guys have like a fair amount of patrons like you're probably like 
earning the same as like Nadpod or whatever. And I'm like, ha not even close. <laughs> like, um, and like, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky balance. Uh, it's a, it's a task that I'm very much reveling, and I definitely feel like we are in a very privileged position. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm always reticent to say privilege in the sense that like we've worked really hard. I'm so proud of the three BH team and like everyone that's committed time and effort and energy to help us get to where we are because like it's been a slog for a while, and we're still not at a point where I think just as a trio, let alone all like other people, are getting kind of paid commensurate with our time and things like that so it's it's definitely a balancing act but um one that i'm enjoying and much like you said i wouldn't trade for the world (laughs) you know what i mean uh like if you told me i could go and earn five times the amount of money doing something else i'd be like screw you i'm not doing it three three black halflings is my lifeblood do you know what i mean i would not give that up for for all the you know tea in china or whatever like the the phrases so yeah <laughs> i haven't heard that one okay <laughs> I, I i think this is super old english one i don't even <laughs> you know and I, I honestly don't even know how much tea they drink in china we probably drink more here honestly so i'll say all the tea in the uk there we go all the tea in england <laughs> <laughs> i gotta speak about things that i know and that's what i know <laughs> fair enough uh for diversifying your income how has your website worked out for like booking uh both gm gigs and other opportunities because you do list a few different services on there like consulting um what's that like for you yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's uh, it's very much like uh, peaks and in, in peaks and troughs. I think one of the big things that I didn't anticipate happening with the website is I'm getting a lot more um, sort of like external interest for like speaking gigs and like uh, kind of slightly kind of more niche. Um, like job opportunities like you know interviews for like big bigger um you know like websites what um or like publications things like that have come through the website as well so um in terms of traffic i think that i could do better to push towards it because like that's definitely something that i need to get better at but i think the thing that has helped me the most is the fact that it's lent me a level of legitimacy which people can then trust when they are inquiring or booking or you know whatever else it is it's not me just saying like um you know oh hey by the way i'm a good dungeon master and like you should hire me it's me saying look i've invested time and money and effort to um show you the kind of standard that you can come to expect like when you hire me so that's like what i'm trying to do with that website is i'm trying to be like if you go on that website and there's you know it's like i'm trying to make it look how i would you know kind of give you the same feeling of like how it would be to like hire me to work with you on something or to gm for you or you know whatever it uh, uh, like that so uh, i definitely need to get better at pushing towards it that's also just because i need to get better at social media like i just it's uh, like i sometimes i'm like yeah social media i'm great and i'm doing really well and other times i'm like i hate this i want to run away and never go on social media again uh, and so you know some weeks it's great some weeks it's not great so uh, that's definitely still like a learning curve that I'm I'm doing, but I think the website has been a really uh, it's been really beneficial. I think just for like like I said, like lending that legitimacy uh, to the services and things that I provide for sure. Yeah, definitely presenting yourself as a professional, even if you're just starting out, 
and taking those extra steps, I think, makes a huge difference in your impression on people. Because sometimes your first impression on someone and working with you is your website or is your profile, which for me is not good because that's my Twitter profile. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you like look at Jasper's website, then you see like, oh, Jasper was in the theater production of War Horse. And here's a picture of him who looks as muscular as a war horse, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it was much time and dedication uh, <laughs> went into that physique. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you um, have you really like changed like your lifestyle as far as like staying fit? And now that you you work at home, correct, or you work in like mm. a studio um, as opposed to like theater acting, which is a lot more physical. How has your life changed in that respect? And have you noticed like a big shift in what you do physically affecting you mentally and like your energy levels? What's that been like for you? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's something that I've really struggled with. Um, and like my fitness will go in kind of real peaks and troughs. Like I find that with my fitness, I get like hyper-focused on it and I'm, and I like really look after myself. And then other times, like I treat my body like a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there seems to be no in between. Um, and when I've got like a focus and there's like a reason and stuff like that, I like, I'm really into it. And I think that part of the main reason why I found it really tricky at times is just because I really enveloped myself in work as much as I could. Um, once I kind of left, like I kind of quit the day job and everything, I was like, I just have to work constantly because I'm so terrified that I won't have any money and I have a mortgage to pay and I want to start a family and, ah, you know, so. So I think that uh, definitely didn't help that I was like basically just forcing myself to work all hours of the day, uh, which meant I wasn't taking proper lunch breaks. I wasn't, you know, exercising and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but exercise has a huge impact on my mental well-being uh i absolutely love it i trained as a dancer for four years and wanted to at one point be a dancer but then basically decided i went to like some auditions for like dance colleges in london when i was deciding between that and uh drama school and weird thing where i basically like, like half fell down like a like the stairs on the way out of an audition and like felt my knee tweak like a tiny bit and this is like 20 year old me so i felt invincible you know what i mean and i was and i remember just looking down at my knee and being like i bust my knee then i'm just out of like i can't work and that thought terrified me so much that i never went to another dance audition <laughs> Like, I was like, I can't, you know, I was so terrified about the idea of my career just being, like, upended because I'd, you know, have an injury and, um, uh, and that would be that, you know, that would be it. Um, so I think that, like, fitness and, uh, things like that has always been, like, a big part because I, you know, consider myself to be a very physical actor, kind of, I do, I really enjoy uh, techniques like animal studies and things like that. I like embodying a character physically, um, which is why I've, just adored getting to do video games and stuff like that but um yeah i would say it's, it's a big part and it's something that like i'm better at when i'm the more i act and the more i'm kind of like uh the more someone is telling me to be on my feet the more that i'll just kind of naturally fall into like a really good rhythm um i definitely find it hard when i'm like doing office based jobs or podcasting all the time to then you know be like cool i'm gonna take two hours out of my day and go to the gym and cook some food and 
and all of that kind of stuff. I was just thinking about uh, that was like there was the juxtaposition of like that story where it was like that's the sexiest thing anyone has ever said on this podcast, followed by <laughs> that is the most tragic thing <laughs> said on this podcast. <laughs> incredible i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i uh i actually had no idea that you had trained to be a dancer uh maybe jeremy told me but i forgot um but that's that's super cool um do you still do you still do that like on your yeah, off still, time or like yeah yeah I definitely still dance it's a big um it's like a big part of you know my like mental health I mostly it's just me doing it like because I, I train uh, ballet and contemporary mostly it's just me doing it around the house but like I still kind of like I'll put my headphones in and put some music on when my like fiance is not in the room <laughs> or in the house and I'll you know kind of just, like allow myself to move and usually it's like contemporary or ballet or or, or whatever else it is and it, it's it i think just for my mental health it, it's it's something that's just always been able to lift me and you know make me feel uh like myself you know what i mean uh, it's like a big kind of leveler for me i guess um dancing but um yeah it's a, it was really interesting this is a quite a funny story as well i remember walking into because i auditioned for two um uh like colleges uh universities conservatoires whatever they're called uh in london for dance and honestly walking into a room as a straight black male into like a dance audition i've never felt so much like a unicorn in my life <laughs> like the teachers and everyone were just like oh whoa <laughs> like we do n- like they were like please come here like even <laughs> if you like suck break <laughs> each other like he's straight he's straight he's straight he definitely he's definitely straight. like on it like it was just you could feel them just being like we will pay you to come here because it was like it I, I was like the lesser spotted you know uh, thing <laughs> like a contemporary you know dance <laughs> uh, like conservatoire they probably know. they wanted to put like glass up around you like so that people could just observe <laughs> and not touch like yeah 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 be like this is this is real a, a straight brown male who wants to do dance <laughs> uh it's like it was yeah genuinely quite an interesting uh quite an interesting experience uh going to some of those auditions uh so i apologize to any anyone out there who uh was excited about the prospect of me joining the conservatoire uh but i my knees scared me <laughs> yeah i had just discovered like i came out like two years ago right so i i was um I have been, I guess, like kind of figuring more stuff out about myself. And like, I was never really confident with my body like at all. And I've discovered in like the last few months, I've like started to enjoy like dancing and stuff like that. And I have no idea how to dance. Um, But like, that is something that has naturally just occurred in like over the course of me just loving myself more. You can move your body to music and it brings a smile to your face you can dance like i generally yeah. i'm not gonna be precious about it like it's not it shouldn't be a precious thing it's just like you know look i've seen those dads on the dance floor i'm not saying like it's revolutionary dance moves but look how happy that dude is let it be happy it's fine it's absolutely fine uh but yeah i love i genuinely love uh like a, a dancing it brings me such joy just ask anyone uh what i'm like at a wedding uh and you <laughs> basically it's like once the dance floor is opened you won't get me off i will dance with everyone's grandparents uh and all of the children like i just 
It's like it's like honestly, I go into some sort of like different state of mind, and I'm just like, I'm just doing this now. Uh, and like usually, I'll get to the end of like a, a, a like a wedding completely sober because I'll have just like after a certain point, I won't have eaten anything or drunk anything because I'll have just danced for like four hours. Uh, and I'll usually get people coming up to me like, "How do you have the energy for this?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It's just like a different reserve. You know what I mean? It's just like it's like I just have like a dancing like, dancing juice." that's just stored that i can only use for dancing uh so i actually went for i went to my uh, went to an indian wedding recently and uh you know gets to that point in the night where you get a little circle going or whatever and people are dancing this one guy came in and must have like seen me earlier and was like you here like we're gonna dance like you know challenge? my guy yeah 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 but then my guy gets down and I don't know what this move is, so I apologize for uh, anyone who is from India or has Indian heritage. I don't know what this move is, but you kind of like get down onto your like haunches, basically, just like on your tiptoes with your knees kind of out, and you just kind of bounce like this. And like, oh, it was incredible. But I remember like me and this guy were like dead eyed locked in this moment, just like bouncing, and I was feeling it, and I was like this. And then I just remember having this feeling of like, your knees, you are nearly 30. Stop, stop, stop. Like it was like I could just really I was like, I am not gonna this is not gonna be good for me tomorrow, like at all. I was just like heavy squatting, basically, for just like two minutes straight. Like I couldn't even do that in the gym, like now. It's like that's what I mean where I feel like I tap into like a different resource. It's uh yeah, You're, it's kind of wild. You transform into this just creature, this animalistic urge overtakes you. Fully, fully. Some that's honestly transform what transform into yeah, some people transform into werewolves. You transform into a dancer. <laughs> Absolutely that. I turn into a black swan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, damn, we're out of time. Sorry, I, th- threw, I threw that off so wildly. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, no, that's, that's great. Uh, this has been really fun, Jasper. Yeah, this has been absolutely great. I really appreciate. Uh, and I also appreciate just like having a really honest and frank conversation about like money and success and stuff. It's, it's really refreshing and super nice. So uh, genuinely, thank me, thank you so much for having uh, having me on. And um, yeah, I look forward to us getting to uh, do more stuff together. Yeah, um, I guess. Uh, do I? Am I allowed to? I guess I don't know what your production schedule is like. I maybe I'll cut this. Am I allowed to mention it? Yeah, I mean, I genuinely don't know what it will be right now, but, like, absolutely, yeah. we can say that that is our intention because we've okay. all said yes and we'd love to do it, so please okay. feel free to mention it. I just don't know when it will be. I'm Hopefully it'll be soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I got invited by Jeremy very graciously to uh, GM on Three Black Halflings, and I'm going to be running Thirsty Sword Lesbian, so I'm super looking forward to that. And I guess I have to read up on more dancing so I can be fucking ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will have a dance off halfway through. That's uh, yeah. that's a contractual obligation for my conflict, so <laughs> I don't know if it'll be straight though. You're gonna you know part of the game is being queer, right? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. I can do that. I can do that. It's fine. Um uh my mom's a lesbian, so I feel like I've got like half oh, really? I'm like halfway. I'm like I'm like, hey mom, okay, I'm gonna need you to help me out here. I'm gonna play this game. I may need to draw on some of your experiences. Uh can you can you kind of, can I like tap you in for a second? That'd be great. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Jesper. Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about? Oh, we need to talk about um, your video game. How much time? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, 
what was it like was that, and uh, like a... what did you work on everything cool. um so yeah i uh, i've been very very fortunate over the last uh, couple of years to work on oh how many i think i've done four video games i think like one of them is a mobile game uh like two uh and then the other three are kind of console games and one of them in particular is a triple a game which i was very lucky uh enough to be to be playing one of a, a kind of a leading role um and uh it's been an incredible learning journey as an actor because it's a, an extremely different vibe um it's also worth, actually worth saying i was I've been, I'm going to be in a feature film, an animated feature film, which is really, really exciting. Again, such a different vibe as an actor when you're so used to, uh, you know, sitting down with the script, working through stuff, uh, you know, getting a feel for it in your body to, you know, if you're, if you're doing VO for a video game, they literally, you walk into a booth, have no idea what you're doing that day. Like zero clue. Maybe if you're lucky, you know, which character they want today. Cause like I'm doing, uh, one that's kind of ongoing at the moment where I'm playing Playing. at the moment i'm up to seven different characters um just doing various accents and uh voices and stuff like this so if you're lucky you'll know what they want from you but otherwise you have no context you walk into a booth they stick a microphone on your head or you put a headset on or whatever it is and you've got like a spreadsheet in front of you and it's literally like an excel spreadsheet and they're just going through just scrolling down as you're just reeling off these lines and you get maybe if you're lucky like a a one word context maybe Uh, and that'll just be like outraged or something you know because it will be all like dialogue tree and stuff like this so uh, i i can't tell you how much i love the voiceover and motion capture those two elements of it some of the most fun i've ever had because again it's like it there's something about it just lets you get into a flow and into a rhythm the you know after a while like you just get into a good flow with this kind of sight reading uh which i hate because i'm super dyslexic but I don't know, somehow my brain switches into like a different part where I stop freaking out about the words and I just focus on the acting and suddenly I stop stuttering or mixing things, mixing words up and things like that, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, there's like super enjoyable by getting into a flow and then uh, motion capture performance capture is this sort of unbelievable intersection of like imagination and possibility anything that you can kind of imagine and think of like can and will exist in this like space that you're in it's just up to you to like fill it with life and it is like it is honestly one of the most enjoyable experiences where you just get to also because you have to commit so much to it physically you know for me as a physical actor as someone who studied dance it's like it's just it feels like a homecoming almost it feels like you're in the middle of theater rehearsals where you're just kind of in that playing phase but they're capturing all of the gold and stuff that you mine and you find and it's a really really rewarding experience um I will say that it's very interesting working on uh, like multiple choice and like quest based stuff. Um, There are scenarios where like might be literally in love with the player character. There are other scenarios where my character might hate the player character. And so like from one line to the next line, you're like, why, hello, how are you doing? And then the next line, it's like, how dare you show your face up here again? You know what I mean? And it's like, it's a real, it's a real fun, emotional uh, gymnastics. But I feel like as an actor, it it, it genuinely feels like, I think it's like, no, like 
this is like a terrible example, but for some reason it's in my head and it's it's fun. Like, I feel like, imagine just being like a really badass electrician. You know, you like you go into like an office building and they're all freaking out because like the lights won't turn on or they're all like on the fritz and whatever and the TV's glitching and, and like everyone's panicked and you just walk in and you just got tools. You get mad tools out. You've got little detectors, little whatever. And you walk in, you're like, bam, 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 fix, fix, fix. And everyone's just like, how did you do that? It kind of feels like that with like motion capture and voice acting. Whereas an actor, you just get to bring like all of your tools to the table and be like, here we go. Let me let me try some things. And it's like, it's just so much fun to actually be in a position where you get to do that because so rarely do you get to do that. If you're in theater, like you've got one role, maybe two, or you're understudying or something if you're lucky. But that's like, that's it. That all of the, the only bit you get to do is like the stuff that you've rehearsed. Film, kind of the same, but it's also like, like, oh, you can't move your legs because we're in a tight shot and you can't shift or anything. So again, you don't get to bring everything. Motion capture, voiceover, it's like... You you get to bust out all the tools and uh and like usually for video games and stuff they're looking for you to you know you, you looking for you to hit like a a point you know what i mean because you're usually these are very emotionally intense things that are happening um so it's so so enjoyable uh and yeah i've been oh, i've been so, i'm very 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 lucky to uh work on uh, get to work on a triple a game for the last couple of years um which is i hope gonna be i don't know when it's coming out but i hope they're gonna like do some announcements soon so that i can actually properly talk about it because that would be lovely um but yeah i uh very very lucky and i'm just absolutely relishing uh getting to work more and more in this field and if anyone is listening terrible little uh, uh self-fulfilling plug here but i i'm joining the podcast which the performance capture podcast uh, which is hosted by the Vic- victoria atkin who played evie fry in the assassin's creed series uh and a very successful um actress and uh, we basically talk about motion capture we have amazing guests on and stuff like that uh and i get to talk to some really cool people and it's awesome because i'm like oh cool you're like joel and the last of us hi <laughs> you know I mean it's pretty awesome so uh if you're interested in like hearing more stuff like this then that might be an interesting thing for you to check out yeah we'll definitely put that link in the description and we'll link to uh your website jasper if anybody wants to check you out and to see how buff you are uh <laughs> <laughs> don't expect those standards like right now you know what i mean like find me find me when i'm in the middle of a, like an acting gig and yeah maybe but like right now oof, right now i'm thinking about entering my dad face <laughs> i'll be honest i'm like i think i'm i think i'm just gonna chill i i want to be here at the weekend <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Jesper. Uh, And I'm going to hit the stop button. Thanks so much for listening to the Dollars and Dragons podcast. If you'd like to support me and more importantly, my editor who does all of the heavy lifting here, then you can subscribe to patreon.com slash it's Friday. And that is going to go straight to my editor. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.